You're listening to Campus Review Radio. What do you hope to accomplish at Open Universities Australia? Well, the most important thing for us, or for me, I guess, is to make sure that we're providing a really great experience for students that helps them solve the problems. And so, I mean, for me, that comes down to how we help people, how we attract people, how we make help them make the best choices they can about their education um, and provide, you know, in essence, just a really competent and thorough um, service. And so, I mean, that's, that's sort of my remit, I guess, in general. What does um, providing a, basically the best education Open University of Australia can for students look like, in your opinion? Well, for us, I mean, we aren't, the, we aren't a university, as you know. So for us, it's not about how do we teach the class better. It's about how do we help the person find the right course and how do we um, remove the friction points in them achieving what they want to. Um, and so, I mean, that's, that's kind of the boundaries of what I'm trying to do. It's not so much about what happens in the class. It's about how do they choose the class, get to the class, be ready when they get there, um, and, and, you know, have the pathways into that and, and past that. Uh, and that, I, that's really that's really the part that I'm primarily focused on. In the media release, you pointed out that there's a possibility of using data to match a student to the course that would suit them. Could you elaborate on that? Well, I mean, part of it, it's part of it's data about um, people like you have done well at things like this. <laughs> um, part of it's using the data that we uh, would gather. You know, some of it we get today, some of it we still need to hook into about how a person's actually progressing through a course so that we can identify when they might need an intervention, for instance, as an example. But there are any number of things that happen along the way as a person studying. How do we actually make sure that they're getting the help they need? And sometimes people don't ask for it and they may not even know that they need it. So how do you actually identify those things and the patterns of their of their progression or behavior through the course? Um, Sometimes, you know, there's a fair bit of data around, um, uh, you know, in, in the selection process. Some of it's data on, on people who have done this, but the other part of it is just the data on the courses itself to actually, um, I mean, it's, it's amazing how few universities actually have a proper, even just like a data map of, um, that's current at all times of here are the core, you know, here's the, the core courses that are part of a program and their, you know, prerequisite dependencies and scheduling dependencies that, you know, if a person said, oh, you know, I don't want to take this course now, I want to take it, you know, later. Well, boom, this is what happens to your schedule, you know, without having to sit down on the spreadsheet for four hours and read the website that you could say, oh, no, that means your course is, you know, going to spend from four years to six years simply because that class isn't available until then and all the prerequisites that roll off of that. So sometimes it's, it's the data of that makes up, you know, the university offering um, that you can deploy to prevent to 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 give a better experience, which is sometimes just heading off surprises like that. And you also pointed out that it could be used to match a student to the co- to the course that would suit them, but not necessarily to the course that they want to do. Is that correct? Um, well, I think I mean part of it is, you know, online recommendation engines are not a new thing. Um, so uh, there's you know, the whole series of things that are sort of both inductive, opening up opportunities to reductive, here are the things that, you know, certainly wouldn't match you. And um, 
that isn't, you know, while it's used in, in a lot of our other online experiences, it's very common. People don't even realize that they're going through it half the time. But that sort of both inductive and reductive um, uh, search and recommendation process is, is a pretty normal online experience. Um, and so, you know, it's how do we apply? I mean, that's, call it online 101 in a way. How do we apply that to the education experience, which, which you know, it's not to say it isn't ever used, but it's not commonly used. You also mentioned in the media release that there's a lot of untapped potential in Australian online education. Could you um, elaborate on that as well? Well, I mean, you know, the range of what makes up online education, um, it's, you know, it's everything from, uh, you know, here's me and my PDF, <laughs> um, and I email questions and answers. Right? It's, it's from that level to these, you know, fully immersive experiences. Um, I think, I think in general, the opportunity is how do we better match the, the use of any specific technology with the, the needs of that student and course. Um, and so that it's not just, you know, a couple of years ago, everything had to be in Twitter. Well, you know, was that really an effective teaching tool? Probably not. Um, but, you know, really, it's how do you match the right use of technology with the course? So um, and to make, uh, you know, it's, some people, they use online education because, um, you know, it, you need to match it with the needs of the students who choose to study online, right? Some can't get to an on-campus experience. Some don't want an on-campus experience, but how do you use tech that you can make sure that you're providing the, the richness, uh, the level of interaction and collaboration that's appropriate for that course and for that person? Um, uh, flexibility on time and location. And, and those, you know, that's the use of that's fairly spotty, I would say. You know, it ranges from not very advanced at all to pretty thorough. And you know, in general, lifting that is there's a lot of opportunity because, I mean, the number of students studying online hasn't grown anywhere near the rate of the number of high, students in higher education. Yeah. And you, you just have to wonder why. <laughs> and so I think I mean, my guess is that the answers, and this is the guess, um, that the answer sort of is in there somewhere. Is a possible um, reason for those because people still want that physical interaction with their teachers and with each other when they um, go, go into a course? for that social aspect of it? Well, in talking to our students, it's surprising how many absolutely don't want it, but they do, you know, they don't want to, to have an interaction with the teacher, which surprises me, but, you know, a lot of people, they choose this simply because they don't want the on-campus experience. But what they do want is they do want the support and the collaboration and interaction with other people, but they can't, but they don't necessarily want that, you know, to face. They don't want that delivered in the way that it is delivered in an on-campus experience. By the way, I wouldn't say that I actually know how to do it. I'm not, that, mm. I've been here for, you know, I've been here for three weeks or four weeks. It's yeah. not, you know, but I, but I'm, I guess I'm at this point, I'm, I'm working on, on spotting the problems and forming some hypotheses about how, what, how we can apply good, you know, best practice online to, to address some of those problems um, rather than being able to say, Hey, the answer is, know, X. That's all the questions I have. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I guess one thing I'd add is, you know, it's, it's, it's probably not 
really fair for me to, I, I'm not, as you know, I don't come from an education background. Um, I, I do, I actually do, I do lecture actually in a, in a master's program, but that doesn't make me qualified to, to speak on, you know, what's the future of education or how do we make education better. But, you know, I have spent most of my life working in consumer internet and the problem that, uh, that we're generally solving is how do we simplify these complex interaction problems that people have, um, you know, so behind most of these really good, whether they're marketplace sites or, or even purchase sites, it's, it's how do you unscramble the complexity so that people can easily sort of solve the problem or answer their question or access whatever the services that they're looking for. And usually that comes down to creating a more transparent marketplace or product. And, and I think that higher education is really just this sort of, um, problem space, you know, because there's a universe of potential higher education solutions for a person. But the question is, well, you know, what areas am I going to study? What are the types of courses or programs? Should I be doing, you know, TAFE to PhD? Um, and any range of universities or non-university providers. And, you know, it's just this sort of complex, multidimensional product or problem that, um, that, is difficult for people to make and to navigate a solution. And so that's where I think really the, the overlap of competent online experience with education lies. Not, it's not to say courses should be taught like this or like that, but mm. it's really how do we help people navigate this really complicated multidimensional problem that they've got. Um, and, and, and that's, that's really where, I think, you know, our focus is it's not on being a university or being a better teacher or telling people how to be better teachers, but it's about how do we help form the student experience uh, better.